and welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Meyer. So we are here, another episode. Obviously, everything is a little bit mad at the moment. I hope you're all staying in and staying safe. Um, we are going to be still bringing you Girls With Goals every week. Delighted to still do it. It's business as usual on her.ie. And we've got a really good show for you today. Uh, first up, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Deren O'Leary. She is a GP that's based in Cork. She's been sharing a lot of information about the coronavirus via her Instagram and her social media so I wanted to have a chat with her the full interview is up on the her Instagram TV page but we're going to be bringing you a snippet at the beginning of the show and a little bit more information at the end as well because we do want to keep you updated as well we're going to be briefing you on some incredible food that you can cook from home I have Carl and Gina of the Daily Dish and oh my god I was so inspired when I was talking to them so we're going to have them too and then a little bit later on I have Joan Malloy who is an Irish solo sailor who's joining us and she's going to be telling us a little bit about her sport so jam-packed yeah I'm so excited so thank you so much for listening thank you as always for subscribing Um, but first up here is a little snippet from Dr. Darren O'Leary she's going to be talking to us about self-isolation and social distancing we're all doing it at the moment so obviously people are going a little bit mad and a lot of people are telling you different things so we wanted to talk to her a little bit about your own mental health and things that you can do during this difficult time? So staying uh, physically and mentally well during um, social distancing and self-isolation is not easy. Um, As human beings, we're psychologically wired to want to connect with others. Um, So it's really important that we pace ourselves. You know, this is kind of a marathon rather than a sprint. Um, So pace yourself. uh, Try to set a routine if you're at home. Get up in the morning set out a schedule of what to do, try to stick to it, um, get out every day if you can, go for a walk, you know, actually physically getting out of the house is so important, you know, get some fresh air, um, eat well, uh, avoid alcohol, you know, I think it's very easy for us to kind of descend into really bad habits um, when we're at home because we kind of, when we're at home, we're, that's usually our comfortable place and where we relax and chill and unwind, but for now we kind of have to be a bit more strict with ourselves mind our physical health, mind our mental health, get plenty of sleep as well. um, And, you know, just stay away from um, too much consumption of social media and headlines um, and stay connected as well. You know, we can still connect uh, with others, you know, whether it's through social media, with friends um, and, you know, with uh, relatives using phone, Skype, FaceTime, whatever. Um, So just and stay positive, stay optimistic. You know, a positive mindset is, or an optimistic mindset is important. Great advice there, as always, from Dr. Darren O'Leary. And we'll be hearing from her again towards the end of the episode. So do stay tuned. As I mentioned previously in my intro there, we are all in our houses a hell of a lot more than usual at the minute. And rightly so, we're all coming together by staying apart. But holy shit, has it taught me how bad I am at cooking. So I'm delighted to welcome my next guests to studio, but via Skype, of course, the new normal. They are The Daily Dish. A lot of you will know them from Instagram. Uh, I also know them as Carl and Gina. Welcome to the show. So excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having us. We're very excited. Thank you very much. Did you like my intro there? I'm terrible at cooking. Please help me. 
That's what we're here for. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the best myself. (laughs) Um, So as I mentioned there, collectively you guys are known as The Daily Dish and there's a new book out as well, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later on. Um, But first, I wanted to intro by playing our game. It's called Six Words or Less. And basically it's for any of our listeners of the show and our readers as well of Her.ie who may not know who you are. So you have to describe yourself in six words or less. But because I'm interviewing a couple, I always like to mix it up a little bit and I thought it would be funnier if you describe each other in six words or less. So in your own time and whoever wants to go first. I swear my hands aren't around his throat. It's a look that she's actually <laughs> giving me right now. Do you want to go first, darling? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Six words or less. An actual pain in my hole. Six <laughs> words. <laughs> um, okay, no, no, honestly, I would say, Gina, six words. Supportive, funny, friendly, Annoying, um, caring, and considerate. Oh, see, now you've got me all welling up. <laughs> that is so good. Half of the ones that I have here. Gina, if you want to um, rethink yours and then uh, and then describe your husband. Come on. <laughs> well, you are unique. He's a unique face. Yeah. <laughs> Handsome would also do there as well, but go on. Very handsome, that's too handsome. I know you're kind, you're very impulsive, um, funny, always happy, and... um, Yes, we need that passion. We are all in social distance mode. We need a bit of passion in our lives. Love those words, guys. Very good. I think I learned a lot as well. Um, I'm intrigued. Uh, So I want to talk a little bit about the two of you before we get into talking about the Daily Dish and everything that's going on um, with uh, the book and the Instagram and, and all that kind of stuff. So I suppose going back a little bit, how did you guys first meet? Okay, how long have you got? <laughs> Just short version now, Gina. Yeah. We'll I've got, to be honest with you, lads, I've got all the time in the world. Let's do this. <laughs> well, we both worked for the same company and Carl was in uh, marketing in the head office and I was uh, a store manager. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would have to regularly email him. No, I'll actually interject here. My my name is Carl, but it's spent, spelled K-A-R-O-L. I was born in 79, the year the Pope was over, and his real name was Carl. It's a Polish name. So that's that too many John Pauls. Exactly. So the spelling <laughs> of my name on an email could cause confusion. Yeah, right. so I, I would email uh, this lovely, what I thought was a lady, Carl, <laughs> in a head office and we'd have chats and we'd be talking about all kinds of girly stuff. And um, <clears throat> I remember one day saying to my boss, Jesus, isn't that Carl girl? Isn't she lovely in head office? And he said, well, I don't, I don't think I know any Carl. <laughs> Carl. And I said, no, no, Carl Daly. And he said, you, you do realise that's a chap, don't you? And I, I swear, nearly turned inside out. I was like, are you joking? He's like, no, no, that's that's a lad. And so I, I was uh, mortified. <laughs> I don't believe that. That's mad. So we um, kind of, I kind of kept my emails to a very, you know, I suppose politeness yeah no but cut to cut to about i think it was say a a month or two after that and i had been we were moving offices and i was in in the city center Hmm. visiting the new office and i was walking past the store that gina was in i looked in and she was on her own and i popped in to have a chat with her and we just kind of had 20 minute kind of conversation just having the laughs and 
I think when I walked out of the shop that day, something kind of clicked in me. I don't know what it was. And I think within a week or two, we were emailing and all of a sudden the emails got a little bit flirtatious, maybe. No, uh, mine didn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My head office were uh, screening my emails. So I was like, <laughs> stop that, stop that. <laughs> he sent me an email and I said, I think that sounds a little bit like sexual harassment. And he said, well, isn't that the best kind? Now, obviously, we were we were having a bit of crack. So, yeah. Um, that evening, he sent me a text message and he said, here, do you fancy pint? And I remember saying to the chat that I worked at the time, oh, my God, Carl's out there asking me out for a drink. What do I do? He says, under no circumstances, go out with anybody and work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I was like, OK, hung up the phone, legged it up the stairs, shaved my legs, <laughs> slapped on a bit of tan, was in my car, and boom, into the city centre, picked him up. And the rest is history. We kind of just instantly hit it off. And I think that, yeah, that first weekend, it was, I think it was a long weekend and we went out every night and we just had so much fun. And I think I, I put my name, I, I actually took her phone and put my name in as my hubby. Oh, stop. Was it. And we, we knew, like, and I think within, within two weeks, we got engaged. Within six months, we got married. And then a year later, Holly came along and it was just, we and just. 13 years ago. So yeah. sorry, yeah. can I just go back a little bit? Two weeks and you were engaged. I'm yeah. going to need to hear a little <laughs> bit about this because that sounds like basically, and those dates, you know, the dates that are just the great first dates that turn into a weekend and it's pretty yeah. much like, it feels like it's written in the stars, but still two weeks is a very short amount of time. So who proposed <laughs> to who and how the hell did that happen? Yeah, so um, Carl had to go down to Limerick for for training, and uh, I was I was like, "Look, I'm going to miss you. We're only together like a wet weekend. I'm going to miss you so much." Yeah. Um, so I kind of went down to him at the weekends, and we went to a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> we were sitting over me tacos or whatever I was eating, and next thing he just dropped down on one knee. And I swear to God, I don't know what color I went. I was like, "Oh my God, is this happening?" I thought this would happen at the top of the Eiffel Tower or something. <laughs> Not in a Mexican restaurant in Limerick, but uh, yeah, he he, God love me, went out and spent a few bob on it. It's kind of nice ring. It was a gorgeous oh, ring, um, and but to be honest, it could have been a horrible ring. It wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. It was just mm. the sentiment behind it. It was just one of those, you know, when they say you, when you know, yeah. you know, yeah, and. We had, like, I mean, we were in our late 20s. We'd both been in long-term relationships. Mm. And when we met, I think before we never talked in, in, in other, like, we hadn't thought about kids or getting married or anything like that. And when I met him, I was like, oh, I need to marry him. I need to have <laughs> all his babies. Yeah. Um, so it was just, I don't know, it was just a, a real, a, a, a huge chemistry. But it's had. like, I think one of the things was my my cousin, who's I'm very close with, he, he'd said to me at the time when I was kind of talking to him, just you know, at the start of it all, and he goes, you're absolutely crazy, what's going on? And a week or two later, he came out and met us for a drink, and he turned around to me and goes, I understand totally now, like, I get it, because mm. he, he saw us together, and that was nice, you know, because I think... Mean, yeah. It's not, there are, there are obviously some people can be impulsive or whatever. And yeah, but I think there was something there. We both knew it. And, you know, what's the point in hanging around? Yeah, I, I love that. I really do. I'm, I'm kind of caught up in the love story now. And I feel like I need to actually get back to talking about the Daily Dish. But I could listen to that story again and again. It, it, so, right. OK, focus need. Fast forward 10 years, <laughs> babies, marriage, all that kind of jazz. So the Daily Dish, I, wa- I want to talk about a little bit because on Instagram, you have such a passionate 
amount of followers and between the two of you now, you know, it's like over 100,000 followers and you only started technically sharing recipes, was it just a little over a year ago or so? So kind of talk me through um, the evolution of of what's happened now with, with the life that you guys have when it comes to the daily dish and, and food and recipes and, and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, so um, it'll be two years, two years. in uh, coming. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a year and a half, just over a year and a half. Um, I obviously had over the years been on a weight loss kind of yo-yo and up and down and losing weight and gaining weight. And back in August 2018, I was like, do you know what? I just need to cop on. I need mm-hmm. to sort myself out and I need to focus. And the I just knew that if... Like, like, you know, you can go to slimming groups and stuff like that. And that's brilliant. And there's great support there. But there'd be, there'd be days I couldn't make it. Yeah. And those were my kind of, as you'd say, I don't want to use the word, but your, you know, your feck it days or yeah. feck it weeks where you go, oh, sure, I, I'm not weighing in until next week. I'll just have a mad week. I'll be grand. Um, and I, that was that was kind of the habit that I was falling into. So I just said, if if I started doing like a, a journal or a diary of my food, um, on somewhere, if it was Facebook or wherever. And I wasn't great on Instagram, but I said, you know, Instagram is very visual. Mm-hmm. There's not much, you know, rubbish to be reading through. I, I just put my pictures up. Um, I'll just say, you know, what what I lost this week or what I ate this week. And I was sharing my 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 um, breakfast, lunch and dinner. I was sharing on a, a Wednesday, I do my weigh in. And it just, people... I suppose in my head, I thought if two people started watching it, I'd be accountable. I'd be, you know, I'd want to stick to it and I wouldn't want to be letting them down as well as letting myself down, um, especially if they're kind of following along with me. So I suppose after a couple of weeks, like I had a good, I kind of just really spun really fast. And I had a couple of thousand followers after like. It just kind of, I think what what the thing mm -hmm. for us, well, we tried, you know, eating kind of healthy foods in the past and dieting, but it was all the kind of same stuff, and it just it just got very boring. And I think like our biggest inspiration, if, if you look at our, our our food, it's it's looking at the kind of food you want to eat, but you can't eat all the time for health reasons. Like those big, huge, you know, you see the American TV shows with all the kind of the burgers and the hot dogs and indulgent foods, and we try to make them, but obviously make healthier versions or make our own versions that yeah. you know yeah. eat on on a daily basis and. Um, yeah, and what I what, initially what I was doing was, was kind of cooking, you know, the the recipes that I had learned to cook over the years for slimming recipes, and and to be honest with you, it was just not my kind of food, and I I found myself very quickly in a situation where I was like using any excuse to to go for a takeaway. Oh, not in the oh, I don't have an onion for that, or <laughs> yeah. I've no peppers to go into that one. Asher Fecker will make that tomorrow night. Let's get a takeaway tonight. So just one day I said something in my head just clicked. And I was like, look, we are it. We were, we were, we were, I suppose we put on weight because the food we like to eat was bad. Yeah. But we still want to eat it. So how are we going to tackle the, the whole scenario of wanting that food and making it kind of in a healthier, yeah. your way. So, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. You, you go on first. Go on, finish. Yeah. So, um, I just quickly realised that, like, kind of, I could still have that, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken, or I could still have, you know, nice cheesy sauce, but just 
tweak it and put a spin on it and, and make it in with no fats and no oils. And, yeah, like and it, it's, it's the taste. Work. It's the tastiness, isn't it? I mean, it's that's that's the whole thing that I feel like is the the key to it. It's it's um it's when dieting becomes that thing that you're limiting yourself, and then it becomes that cheat day from hell where you just lose all the good work that you've done. And Carl, I want to ask you a little bit because I feel Gina, like your story, you know, a lot of women can relate to it, and obviously a lot of our listeners and stuff are predominantly. Uh, women on on her as well but you know we do have uh, men that listen too so I think it's it's interesting to hear from your point of view Carl about what your personal relationship was with food and as well being married to somebody you know who everything that you were describing there Gina I feel like so many women can relate to and it's something that you know we are very open with when it comes to struggling when it comes to body issues when it comes to constantly being faced with you know what we're meant to look like I mean from your point of view Carl as a man and as you know kind of seeing your wife go through these struggles over the years what was your personal relationship with food and and how did you feel about kind of going on this journey yourself? I mean initially I I never it weight was never something for me that ever kind of came into my head. I just yeah. kind of got on with things. And obviously with Gina, I know, you know, ups and downs, but I, to me, she was always beautiful and I never cared about, you know, what was on the scales or whatever. It was never even an issue. Yeah. I think from my point of view of food, when we first got together, you know, that kind of whirlwind relationship, there was a lots of eating out and lots of takeaways. And then as we kind of settled into to married life, a lot of our foods are convenience foods, frozen pizzas, stuff you just throw, you know, you bung in the microwave or whatnot. And I, I worked in an office as well and I, I was in the city centre and I had about a three hour round trip in and out of work. So I'd be getting home late in the evening. I'd be sitting at a desk all day, yeah. you know, yeah. getting a sandwich for lunch, eating crap throughout the day. You know, we had a canteen in there. So plenty of muffins or, you know, biscuits and that kind of stuff. And that I'd get home and maybe it was half an hour away for dinner. So I might have something in the meantime. And I never thought about it until I think it was a January I stood on the scales and I went, God, I'm 15 and a half stone. Like that, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? And that's kind of when we were both starting to go, right, we need to, we need to do something about it. And we kind of just really supported each other. And I kind of, I like that, like, you know, you, you want to be, you want to, like I walk up the stairs and I kind of get out of breath and you want to yeah. be healthy. We're not, we're not that old and we've got kids and we want to, we want to live a long life. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's like, we never, eating for us was never a bad thing as in we never ate because we were upset or whatever we just got, got on with it and then just something in our brains kind of clicked and said right and I think because it. I was eating well and then I was feeding you as well and yeah. then when you started to see the weight come off you went it's an inspiration yeah then, so. and I think when when the weight does creep up on you you don't actually see your like in my head I always see myself as I don't know if I'm the only person that does this I'm still 17 or 18 and I'm still that girl that doesn't put on weight or you know whatever and and over it's not until you actually when even now when I look back on photographs and I say god I never saw myself that size yeah and so it kind of almost just it's it's just it's really strange and I think my, the knock-on effect of me eating the healthy food and you not even seeing me lose weight because it wasn't an intentional thing for you yeah, to lose weight. It, it was just, no. it just happened because we were living a healthier lifestyle yeah. and we were more conscious of what we were putting into our mouths. Really, And so. I mean, for, like from my, from my end, I was never, I know a lot of guys are into gyms and stuff. I, I, I never got into the whole gym culture. I, I, I tried it years ago and it wasn't for me. So I found, right, I need to do something. And someone mentioned to me that they enjoy going for a run. So I started to do running. I didn't do much. I wasn't, tracking how much I did I just put my headphones on and went out maybe once a day during the week when I could for 20 minutes and that for me was perfect and it worked and it helped me kind of 
you know, on, on the, the fitness side of it thing, things. And then obviously the food as well was, was a big help. So I think we, I, I suppose we, we never set goals for ourselves. Yeah. We almost just gradually changed little parts of our lifestyle, which then, yeah. you know, it, we change one different thing a week and then two different things. And then eventually that becomes the norm. Yeah. So we feel like it was a chore losing weight or you know trying to eat healthy or anything like that just you kind of just say to yourself god I feel great this week I can only imagine how I'm going to feel next week if I continue on and that does spur you on and I think 100%. yeah for I know myself a lot of women who felt like obviously I think 96% of my following is women mm. and a lot of them will say you know oh my husband is so embarrassed to go to a slimming club or to join a gym or anything like that and, and I my first thing I'm always saying like tell him not to be embarrassed we're all in the same boat mm. and they say well he's been watching your husband and you know like he's a really cool guy and you know you you, you know you, I suppose he Carl wouldn't be a poster boy for the typical I suppose you know you'd see I don't know men in suits quite <laughs> what I've seen over the years you know these these guys would be muscular and <laughs> scrawny little arms <laughs> I was like, Gina, how are you going to end this sentence? I was like, what? I I mean it the opposite way. Of course, yeah. Um, You know, I'll speak for me. I I, like I would see if I didn't know you, I would see you as this like really cool guy. And I'd be like, it's actually cool to to go like he's done like whatever slimming group. And it might be okay if I do it as well. So, you know, see, that's the thing. A lot of my a lot of my um, family actually follow you guys, like my cousins and stuff like that follow you. And I know that they're they're going to be so excited to hear that you guys are on the show (laughs) as well, because they're such big fans. And I think it's because of the authenticity. And that's basically like what you guys have been talking about. It's not that you guys are coming out with this massive spiel of like, this is how you're going to change your lives. Like you did it gradually. You did it together as a couple and as a family and so I feel like people can really relate to that because it's achievable do you know what I mean like sometimes I just want to bash my head against the wall because of people who are saying like oh this is what you do this is what I do and I'm like yeah but how am I supposed to get that ingredient do you know what I mean like if they don't have it in Little, if they don't have it in Tesco how am I supposed to get that vegan person that's you know like it's just that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a, no offense to vegans I love you all but you know what I mean it's that kind of yeah. a- achievability and authenticity that I think comes from the daily dish that a lot of people are relating to in, in terms of the daily dish as well obviously the environment that we're in at the moment you know it's a scenario that nobody could have ever imagined even a month ago there's no events there's no book launches that are happening and um, I want to say that people can still get the daily dish online and you know go and do it's on Eason's and stuff like that online you can get this book and you can have access to it like I said at the beginning of this interview I have really surprised myself in terms of how shit I am in the kitchen and my boyfriend is quite alarmed as well so we're both trying to really work through this Um, but I suppose from you guys can you give us a little bit of insight into a few of your favourite at home recipes that people can get from the Daily Dish and from what is essentially it's the first collection of all the recipes that you've put together in a book I mean you must be absolutely thrilled and so proud of it as well right? Oh it's like I mean to see us in print like for the last like we've been sitting on this for a long time now um and you know I suppose when you're typing it up and you're 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 making recipes and everything else and you're not really thinking about ahead of time you're just thinking about the here and now and I suppose 
the whole time we're like, oh my God, the 20th of March is going to be the release date. And we're, we have this planned, we have that planned and we'd all these, and then we get the book and the yeah. excitement yeah. is absolutely massive. And then all of a sudden, all, everything that's ever happening has yeah. happened and it kind of threw a spanner in the works. And I suppose when you're working for something for so long, of course. I, 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 I feel guilty feeling bad because um, I suppose at the end of the day, once we're all happy and, and, healthy, and, and healthy and well, that's but look, amazing. We still have to have our emotions. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I keep saying to them, I'm entitled to be happy today. So. Yes, you should be. That's the thing. We have to keep some level of normalcy or else we'll all go mad, you know. So, I mean, I I would be so proud. You should be very proud of it. And obviously, things haven't happened the way that everybody would have wanted. But that's why we're doing things a little bit differently, you know. So, I mean, that's a good thing, right? Exactly. And it just means that we can do it bigger and better the next time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like in, when when you're talking there about the like seeing having the book and having all the recipes in it, um, I suppose like we would have a lot of free content on our Instagram account. Yeah. Um I would say recipes and stuff. And it was a pain and a pain in the actual arse for people <laughs> to kind of because I do them step by step to, you know, to scroll through them and uh, taking screenshots and go back and and I suppose for a lot of people who aren't used to Instagram they're like oh can you just type it up and send it to me and I was like have patience (laughs) it will come (laughs) say anything to anybody but like now I think that's why there's such a surge on the sales of the book because so many people are like we absolutely love your recipes you you make it so easy you make it like you can just go to your local shop pick up everything you need and we don't have to scroll we don't have to take screenshots and yeah. it's just it's so it's 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 very easily it's very, I suppose, laid out, really easy to read yeah. and re- really easy to follow. And it's us, so, like, our, I think the personality is in there. And it reads as I speak. Which yeah, but, like, this is the thing. There's something lovely about being able to turn the page of a recipe book as well. Like, it always brings back incredible memories to me. Like, my nana, she used to keep recipe books and, like, literally she would have her own recipes that she would just tape into them. And like you said, they were in her own language and we still have them and it's lovely. So I think, I mean, obviously, like, online creators, and uh, when you're doing that kind of content it's incredible for people to get that free as well but there's something amazing about having a physical recipe book there as well I mean I mean it's a different level isn't it yeah, yeah. And, and to have it in front of you and I think for me like I, I I don't know how many recipe books I have here and I absolutely love buying recipe books but the one thing I never ever do is cook from them <laughs> <laughs> I love looking at the pictures yeah and going, but it's a lot of recipes in a lot of recipe books. They're just not. They're daunting when you look. Yeah, yeah, they can be daunting. Yeah, and I think when I when I sat down to write this originally, uh, I said I want to create a book that when you open it, you will want to make everything in it and not just look at the pictures and go, ah, oh, that's another lovely book. I'll stick that back up on my shelf. I want it to be full of soy sauce. I want it to be covered in splatters. I want it to be the centre of your kitchen. Yeah. And I think all the recipes that I put into it, like from the feedback as well that I'm getting from people, it's like, oh my God, I'm only on page 10 and I already have my shopping list for those 10 recipes. And that's such a buzz to think, that somebody's opening a cookbook and wants to make and you're acid, inspiring them to make inspiring the them yeah. to make it and and like you know there's there's girls that are like oh my god I, I, I can just jump into Aldi and buy everything yeah like, yeah and that's that's the key and that was the, the easily accessible ingredients yeah, nothing so, mad and like a lot of, like it's quite quick the stuff as well yeah. I mean it's and I need and I want to have a bit of crack in it as well so yeah 
um, the the little intros into the recipes and stuff, like they kind of you know when you're typing away and you're not really thinking. And I remember sending the the um, original proof off to Gail and going oh my God, they're going to change so much in this because, you know, it's it's my word. You know, there's things like a lot of Dublinese in yeah. it and a lot yeah, of... Yeah. Um, and they, I, I said, uh, look, you know, if stuff has to be changed, that's fine. And they're like, we absolutely love it. We're not changing. Oh, the yes, I love that. And, yeah, and the one of the girls is like, when I'm I'm reading through it and I can just hear your voice in my head. And the, the girl who edited it was from the UK and I'd say her head was melted because she couldn't understand it. But she was like, um, one part I said, um, you know, throw your hair up or throw, uh, throw a hun bun in and yeah. go down yeah. to the kitchen. She's like, well, I just changed that to your husband's name. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, the hun bun. And I said, no, that's you know, that's the thing you put in your hair. She's like, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh my God, I love, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not drawing comparisons because you're your own person, but you do know that when Julia Charles was writing her French cookbook for the Americans, she was writing it in her own words because she couldn't get French cooking that Americans could understand. So this could be the next Julia Charles book. There you go, Gina. I mean, and I'm not a foodie. I'm not a chef. I'm obviously not a chef, but there it is. We've said it here first. <laughs> we said it there first on Girls With Goals. And um, really quickly from the two of you, because I have to let you go because I feel inspired. I need to get home and cook. Um, favorite recipe. Can you give us one or is it just a melting pot of your favorite stuff in that book? Well, there, it is a melting pot, but I have to say the very first recipe in the book, which I made sure it was the first one, is the beef satay, or you can make it with chicken. And it's it's a, a twist on, I suppose, the the normal takeout satay. Take yes, I love that. Now, it's still, it's still indulgent. So you still have peanut butter and you still have a few bits, but it's not like there's no oil, there's no fat, but it is on. Believable. I second that. It is absolutely amazing. <laughs> you do that every night of the week. <laughs> so, Carl, is that your favourite as well? Are you going to second that or do you no, have one? I, I, I second it, but I think for me, like I was just saying, like, a lot of the stuff that I love, it's just a quick and easy stuff because, you know, if you're working and you want to have something real quick when you come in, like I love like pasta dishes, so the simple oh, stuff yeah. like this. I, I can never pronounce this dish correctly. Alio, 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 <laughs> It's literally, it's just pasta garlic, chilli and some olive oil and that's it. And in, within 10 minutes you have the most amazing, epic pasta dish that you wouldn't expect from those ingredients. Yeah. And like there's a good few recipes in there for like if you have friends over, like there's one actually, uh, I did a volivant and it, the intro is funny because it's like, volivant. I must have Googled this about 6,000 times and I'm still probably writing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, as you say, you're not, we, we, we are not chefs and I'm yeah. sure that there's plenty of chefs out there that are probably going, what the hell is this? But it is the, the food that the people want to eat. Exactly. And actually, just, sorry, one thing as well that I find, because a lot of stuff, obviously it's all made from scratch, it's all fresh. So for the likes of the kids or people that have kids, you're, you're making food for your kids. It's not frozen chicken nuggets. And no, it's not processed. Frozen. It's yeah. all, there's chicken nuggets in there, there's bits and yeah. pieces of chicken and it's all healthy and it's fun. A, and it's about making mealtime a family yeah, event. Bring the kids into the kitchen, have a bit of yeah. fun, put some music on, dance around the kitchen. Yeah, incredible. So Gina <laughs> and Carl, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you a little bit more. I'm sorry that it hasn't been in person, but hopefully when all this dies down, we'll be able to get you into studio and uh, we'll be able to talk about it a little bit more. For anybody listening, can you give us some details about how people can get the book and how they can go and follow you guys on social media as well because I'm sure they're going to 100% want to after this interview if they don't already which they probably already <laughs> do but uh, give us some of your details there 
Okay, so the the Daily Dish is Gina's page, and it's actually Daily D A L Y because our names are Daily. Love that. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mister Dish M I S T E R uh, Dish D I S H, and then the book is the Daily Dish. It's on Eason's, it's on Amazon, it's on Dubray Books, it's on the Book Depository, and pretty much any any decent bookstore. Yeah. So if you can't in. if you can't get into a bookshop at the moment with the way things are, <laughs> you, you can you can order it online, and it's the post is absolutely fine. They'll be posted straight to your door, and the delivery uh, through Eason anyway is free. Yeah. So um, it's nineteen ninety nine. It's totally and totally worth it as well, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. And uh, yeah, I feel so inspired. I can't wait to go home and cook. Definitely the satay first. The satay has to come tonight. It has to. <laughs> Definitely. Well, listen, enjoy, and it was great to talk to you too. Thanks a million, Eve. Thanks, guys. That was Gina and Carl there from The Daily Dish, lads. If you don't follow them on Instagram, go right now and follow them. I'll give you a second. Okay, you're back. Fantastic. Yeah, it's so worth it. Their food is incredible uh, and so easy to make as well. So I was so inspired by them. Right, next up, Joan Malloy, sailor. Here we go. I am delighted to welcome to the show today via Skype, which is the new normal for us here, like I was mentioning, Joan Malloy. Joan is a professional Irish solo sailor. Joan, it's lovely to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Oh, thanks very much. I'm delighted to be able to chat to you as well. Yeah. So before we get into talking about your sport and what's going on with you um, at the moment in terms of sailing, I want to go back a little bit and talk about when you were younger. So was sailing always a part of your life from a young age? It was from quite a young age. Like I grew up in Westport in County Mayo. So that's, if you haven't been there before, it's just on the shores of Clue Bay which is a really amazing, beautiful bay full of islands and amazing beaches. So I think the sea was definitely always part of our life. And um, my dad has a mussel farm there, mm-hmm. so he's a mussel farmer. So he would be away working at sea every day. So I definitely had a connection there. And then when I was about eight, I started doing kind of summer sailing courses in Mayo Sailing Club. So that was when my first kind of official introduction to sailing, I suppose. And that was just for fun, you know, it was like a, a summer camp, basically, but you learn to sail and my cousins were doing it as well so that was I suppose that's where I personally was first introduced to sailing and the sea. Yeah and then like obviously you continued it all the way through um, in order to kind of get to where you are today but I mean presumably I know that you studied engineering and and stuff like that as well so career-wise it wasn't the first port of call for you to be a full-time sports person like first off you you kind of went to college and you went into education right? Yeah, exactly. And it, it's funny because um, it's almost like I, even though I'd read loads of books, obviously, when I was younger about people being professional sailors and sailing around the world and I got so much inspiration from them. It took me quite a while to figure out that I myself could do that. You know, so I, I followed a pretty traditional path, you know, went to secondary school, went to university in Galway, did an engineering degree, started working as an engineer. And it's only been when I'd been working as an engineer for a couple of years um, I, I kept up my sailing the whole time, kind of building, building up experience and getting into different types of sailing. Yeah. And I just had an opportunity after I'd been working as an engineer for a couple of years. I was doing a, a race around Ireland, actually. And the skipper of the boat said at the end of the race, he said, would you consider joining the crew as a professional crew and I was like oh that's an option is it (laughs) and that was really a real light bulb moment for me and I was like actually I could do this as my job if I wanted to um 
so that was yeah so I do <laughs> and I mean like it, it's so interesting because obviously you know for having somebody say that to you and being like, you know, like this could be um, the career. It's kind of what every athlete, I suppose, really, really dreams of hearing that they could make, you know, a living out of the sport that they love. Um, I suppose you just mentioned their kind of a race around Ireland. I want to get into a little bit about... Um, the actual races and stuff, because I feel like for any of our listeners um, who aren't uh, that knowledgeable about sailing, and I'm going to throw my hands up, I am I'm not the biggest uh, sailing nerd myself. So I suppose I want to know a little bit about the preparation that goes into a race, but I suppose it's dependent on the length of what that race is, right? So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And the, yeah, there's lots of different types of sailing. And I suppose traditionally, I guess you'd think about, you know, say, you know, if you're out for a Sunday walk in Dunleary, you might see little boats out racing in the bay there. Or you might see kind of yacht-sized boats, so slightly bigger sailing boats will have a few people on them. Um, so definitely the, the length of race that you're doing, that depends yeah. on on what kind of preparation you do for sure. Yeah. So if you're doing a, a long race, like for me, my main goal in my career is to do the Vendée Globe race, yes. which is a nonstop solo around the world race. So that's sailing around the world. It's pretty much as long as you yeah, can get. Yeah, pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could go around again, I suppose, but you know, yeah. um, so that is the massive preparation. So that will take me years to prepare. And then um but the races i'm doing in the meantime in preparation mm. are would be shorter races so the round ireland race that i just mentioned there that's a race all the way around ireland from wicklow around ireland and then back into wicklow yeah. so that race would take about five days and have um so yeah it's but it still takes a lot of preparation to do a race like that you know you have to get a boat together and a team together yeah um the Vendée Globe race that I'm preparing for at the moment, because it's a solo race, mm. it's that means you're by yourself on the boat. I'm doing a lot of solo sailing in preparation for that. So that's I'm doing as many races as I can by myself. Yeah. Um to try to prepare, I suppose, that aspect because that's a totally new type of sailing. Well it was a totally new type of sailing for me. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, yes, I suppose for anybody who doesn't know as well, like that, um, the Vendée Globe, I hope I'm saying it correctly, it's kind of called the Everest of the sea. So that is the ultimate race, I suppose, you know, that, that any sailor can do around the world trip. I mean, when you're, when you're sailing solo like that, you know, I suppose I, in this uncertain time that we're living in as well at the moment, you know, sport has been massively affected by the COVID-19 virus. Um, you know, for sailing, are there anything that, that's happening within your sport that has been affected by that? Or, I mean, I suppose when you're training on your own like that, I suppose you, you can continue with that, right? You can. And I suppose one of the one of the key aspects of my sailing, and I actually probably have lots of sports that people often don't think about, you know, that they think sailing oh you're a sailor you just go out sailing every day but actually the sponsorship side yeah. of my campaign is probably more important than the sailing side yeah. you know I think in terms of technical technical sailing I could probably leave next week and go and do the Vendée Globe yeah. but in terms of having a sponsorship campaign built you know that is the bit that's hard yeah and finding a sponsor that fits you and fits your story and you fit their story 
that's really hard. So I was really lucky to find um, Grace O'Malley Whiskey last year. Yeah. They came on as title sponsors for me. And that was a real like kind of match made in heaven for both of us because yeah. I'm descended from Grace O'Malley and they love the the idea that I'm representing their brand, I'm descended from Grace O'Malley and I'm representing their brand as a woman sailing by myself at sea. So, you know, for both of us, that was a great symbiosis there. Um, but that's quite rare, finding a, a match like that. So I was, I was very lucky. Absolutely, um, yeah. And all of those b- businesses that support sailing and sponsor sailing, you know, every business is taking a hit at the moment. And, you know, some sponsorship marketing, like sponsorship is often kind of a marketing cost Mm. and marketing costs might be one of the first things, you know, to go. So yeah, we'll just have to see. Definitely. I have to do a big shout out as well to Grace O'Malley, the brand, because they they sent me in a stunning bottle of gin and I'm spending a, a lot of time at home on my own these days as everybody is because we're social distancing. Um, so I do want to do a massive shout out. It's Heather Infused and I'm I'm actually taking part in a virtual quiz tonight with my mates. So I am 100% going to be cracking into that. If anybody doesn't know Grace O'Malley as well, the actual story, she was called a pirate queen. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible as well. She's got an incredible story herself, like a 16th century pirate queen and you're a descendant of her. That's so badass on its own, Joan. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool, it's a really cool story. And it's funny, it's one of those things that um, we, I mean, she obviously lived in the 16th century, so yeah. we're like 17 times descended from her. But my granny was an O'Malley and she was really like chieftain of the O'Malley clan and, you know, very active and a historian as well. So she would have known all about her. And it's one of those stories that we were growing up and my granny would be telling us, oh, this used to be Grace O'Malley's castle and she sailed her boats in here and this yeah. is where her son lived. And we'd be like, yeah, 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 whatever, granny. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on, <laughs> just give us a biscuit yeah. or, you know, whatever. No, not really listening to her. And yeah. then it's when you grow up and you realise that actually the significance of it all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and how cool it is. It's how cool really it is cool. that we are descended from that. You know, that's yeah. amazing. Absolutely. It's such yeah. a great it's, story. It's especially cool for me in the kind of, in light of what I do now, you mm. know, to have that, to know that I kind of have that somewhere in my DNA, that bit of pirate blood. Yeah, It's so good. I'm going to have to go and research now because if I don't have pirate blood in me somewhere, I'm just going to be really, I'm just going to be really upset about it. Cause it's, everyone should have a little bit. Everyone you know? should yeah. have a little bit of a pirate queen inside them. Um, so you were saying as well, Joan, you know, that obviously the big one, the Vendée Globe is what you're kind of working towards. Uh, that's November 2020, isn't it? So, I mean, as a woman in your sport, can I just talk as well a little bit about that? Because um, uh, there hasn't been a huge amount of women who've who've done that. Am I right in saying that? Or like historically, they they didn't do it that often. Yeah, exactly. No, you're very right. And the last edition of the race was in 2016, and actually, no women competed in it. Wow. Um, yeah, which was which was crazy. That was that. What luckily, it is reasonably unusual for that to happen in the yeah. Vendée Globe. But usually the numbers are, you know, one or two women out of 30 competitors. Mm. So the percentages are very small. And the races that I do now as well, I would be a very small percentage of women, like 5% or wow. between 5 and 10%. So, the, yeah, the percentages are very small. Mm. Um, one thing that's worth talking about here is that 
offshore, the type of sailing I do, so it's solo offshore sailing. So mm-hmm. you're on the, by yourself by the boat, on the boat, and you leave a port and you go off for a few days and, and you sail nonstop, day and night, mm-hmm. by yourself. And then you come back into another port, whatever, you'll have run, gone around a race course. And men and women compete equally. There's no difference between a, a women's boat and a man's boat. Yeah. They have the same with just up to you know what's between your ears <laughs> that's yeah. the difference so that's that and that's one thing that I really love about this part of the sport is that it doesn't make any difference if you're a man or woman it's everybody's treated really equally and I think that's um you know that's something like I always say like she was really the like the start, the start of this whole Me Too movement way yeah. back when, when nobody else, you know, there was no women going to sea, and let alone commanding, yeah. you know, entire ships and entire fleets. Yeah. So that, the fact that it's the representation is still small today, um, it is a bit sad. But I just love that the the part of sailing that I'm in, there isn't any disadvantage yeah, to being a woman. So and, it's yeah. interesting that even though the percentage is low, it's still very unique in the fact that there is no gender like dispensation between men and women, you know, like there's no uh, advantages or disadvantages either way. So it's unique in that, isn't it? Yeah, it's very unique. You know, I don't think there's many sports, you know, maybe some of your listeners might know other yeah. sports that do it. I think shooting and equestrian are the only ones that I can think of. But um, yeah, it does make it unique. And it's great because it's it's just very kind of grounding because yeah. your your competitors just see you as a boat that they have to beat. You know, yeah. it's not, they don't see you as a man or a woman. They just see you, there's a boat over there and I need to get ahead of them. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. You know, and that's, and that's it, you know. So, um, you know, when it rains, we all get wet. And when it's stormy, we all have a, like, I have a hard time. And when there's no wind, we all have a hard time. Like, so... Yeah. It, it is very, it's a great leveller. Absolutely. Well, I suppose, Joan, um, before I let you go, we are heading into the warmer months, uh, heading into spring and, and summer. And obviously, you know, it's kind of a weird world that we're living in at the moment. Um, but I suppose, what advice would you have for, for women and for men out there who are listening and who are thinking about, you know, when things are starting to get back to normal and if they're thinking of taking up sailing and they want to get out there on a boat on their own, solo, which sounds pretty possible at the moment, actually, because we're all being told to stay the hell away from anybody else. Um, What advice would you give to people who are interested in getting involved in sailing? Well, it's the perfect self-isolation sport, solo sailing. (laughs) For sure, yeah. People were saying, if only we had a bit of advance, we could go off on a big, like, four-week training trip or something. Um, But, yeah, I'd say go to your local sailing club. Look up the Irish Sailing website. They have lots of tri-sailing events. Um, Your local sailing club is definitely the place to go. Mm. Um, They will have introductory nights and... They'll often have a bar, which is very important. So, you know, go to the bar, get chatting to people. And, you know, if you're approachable and you're you're up for, for giving things a go, then people will take you out on their boat and bring you sailing. Or they might have a, an introductory course. So I'd say look up the Irish Sailing website and look at your local sailing clubs. Amazing. Well, Joan Malloy, it's been great talking to you, uh, an incredible sportswoman and as well, descendant from the great Grace O'Malley as well. So uh, an incredible story. If anybody doesn't know that, go look up the Grace O'Malley brand. They've got amazing information about the pirate queen herself. I'm off to go and check whether I have any relationships 
conversation to her before I get onto a boat just to make sure um, but Joan it's been an absolute pleasure and best of luck with everything uh, thanks very much Nivia it's been lovely to chat to you that was Joe Malloy there. Thank you so much uh, to Joan for taking the time. Uh, lots of Skype interviews this week, but like I said earlier, that is kind of the way we're going. So we're going to be bringing you great interviews every single week. So stay here. Do get in touch with me as well via my own Instagram. My DMs are open if you want to be on the show uh, yourselves or if you have an idea of a story that you feel needs to be shared, do get in touch. So finally, I wanted to end the episode with a little bit of positivity and a little bit of hope for the future. So uh, Dr. Darren O'Leary was on earlier in the episode talking about the coronavirus and um, obviously it's a scary time for a lot of people and I suppose the thing that scares me the most and the thing that I think is, uh, you know, scaring a lot of people is the fact that there's no end date to this. We can't put a finish line on when things are going to go back to normal and that is one of the things that I'm struggling with the most. So I suppose I wanted to ask Dr. Darren O'Leary because when I watch her on Instagram, she does uh, calm me down a little bit. So I suppose I wanted to ask her a little bit about what's going to happen in the future and what the future is going to look like. So I'll leave you with her and thank you for listening and we will be back next week. Staying hopeful during this is really important to get us through it. So dealing with tough times and dealing with adversity, one of the key things is remaining optimistic. And I know that it's a difficult situation. Obviously, none of us want to be here. We all wish this was not happening. Um, So it's hard to stay positive in a really difficult situation, but we can stay optimistic that this will pass on. Um, So look, we're all in it together. And that's that's one of the key things here as well. Look, nobody is liking this. Nobody wants this to be happening. We all want it to be over. Um, So if we just stay optimistic that, you know, we'll get through this as well. And if we all do our best and do our best with social distancing, um, that's the key. You know, that that is the proven thing that's going to work and that is going to get us through this as best we can. So um, we're all in it together. And look, hopefully, you know, by autumn, this will have passed and we'll start to get back to normal, hopefully.